Welcome to another episode. I am V, and this is the Sussex Set. Welcome to the podcast in 2021, the first episode of the new year. I hope your start of the new year has gone very well. I hope this year is way better than last year. Man, what a year. I think we can all collectively agree that even if it wasn't the worst year of your life personally, it's probably one of the worst that we've ever witnessed. There were definitely some bright spots in 2020. They just got overshadowed by all of the non, all of the shenanigans and nonsense and just utter craziness and death and destruction. And I think collectively just seeing how our neighbors were struggling in mass, globally, locally, nationally, everywhere. If you weren't struggling, you still felt the impact of that. And it highlighted the role of all of us, the role that we all play in our communities and the responsibility that we all should take. So that's one of the the highlights for me. I hope we all reflect on that going forward. I've heard a lot more people say, well, you know, what I want to carry forward with me are the lessons of 2020. Uh, And hopefully more people than not are doing that. We know some some people have a hard time <laughs> learning lessons and or not putting their aims above everybody else's. But I hope the majority of us just decide that we are not going to go back there. So here's to the new year. I hope this year is better than the last, regardless of what 2020 looked like for you. I hope all your goals are met. And if you set resolutions, I hope that's met as well. I just decided I'm not going to set a resolution. I I normally do, but I don't know why. (laughs) I have no idea why. Um, But, you know, I'm I'm, I'm not going to frame it that way for myself anymore. Instead, I'm just going to focus on being present and making meaningful progress in specific areas of character development, of my character development, um, instead of just setting one big goal and, and what have you. So. 2021 girl welcome come on in and please behave that's all we ask and you know what I also want to wish a happy new year (laughs) I could not resist new to the king of England the one true king of England the son of Sussex King Archie Harrison Mountbatten Windsor, the one whose face the world does not quite deserve to look upon. Because Megan said, oh, y'all really thought that I was going to let these trolls pick my baby apart again? Not in these parts of the world that we are living in right now. Which, of course, I loved. Uh, But Happy New Year to the Sussexes. Man, they are giving us so much life right now. And I've said it really since the start of this pandemic when I started to see some of the things that, or they started to share more, some of the things that they were planning. Which, you know, when they share what they want to do, they kind of already doing it. (laughs) But when I stopped worrying about if they would find their footing once leaving the, the the royal family. And that was right around the time that the pandemic was, was beginning, at least on a global scale, because Harry and Meghan had just been over there in March. But 
Soon after that, they came over to North America. And not long after that, they gave us a peek into what they were what they were doing, what they were building. Then I stopped worrying. I'm not going to lie. I worried a little bit just because they were venturing into this great unknown because they're the only two who know what it's like to be in the royal family, to be the stars of the royal family, and to leave the royal family. And all these people rooting against them. So, you know, there's always a possibility. But to be honest, my relief far outweighed any worry that I had. But the worry didn't last long because they are who they are. (laughs) You don't underestimate uh, a woman who's already made herself. All she's going to do is do it again, you know. So Megan began to definitely show signs that, oh, not only am I going to keep going on the path that I am, baby, I'm going to put my foot on this gas, And I knew that that's how this year would play out, especially once the pandemic hit, because last year would play out because that was a time when everybody, everything just sort of settled. And Harry and Meghan, A, they didn't have to worry about the leaks coming out of the palace because they were no longer over there, but that they could do their work in peace and they could actually just do their work without having to dodge the press, without having to even roll out portions of what they wanted to do while still planning the other things they wanted to do. They could literally just plan. And that's exactly what they did. And now we're starting to see the fruits of that. You know, I remember back when Harry and Meghan were really in the thick of the utter bullcrap. I almost still cannot believe they lived through that. Like not not in the sense that they survived, like they made it out, but just that they were even put through all of that craziness. And how they handled themselves through that is so honorable. I can't like I cannot stress that enough. But like thinking about when they were in the middle of all of that craziness and how the Sussex squad was just like, you know, I just want them to leave. They don't even need to be there. They don't need need to do royal engagements. They don't need to be working royals. They can just go out in the world and do their own thing. Even though that's what we wanted, to me, it sort of felt like a pipe dream. Because, I again, I didn't know what would be open or available to them after they left the royal family. Because they, people were so intent on destroying them and I didn't know to what extent that would actually work and I didn't know what how much power the royal family actually had to destroy them or try to destroy them behind the scenes now granted we knew they were already trying to do that but in terms of them being out in the world like I didn't know what type of power or or to what extent Uh, the royal family had control over whether or not Harry and Meghan did get those deals. Um, I'm reminded of Amy Robach. Remember that that Project Veritas video where she's talking about how she had the Epstein story years before it actually blew up to what it was in the last couple years. And ABC was very worried about not being able to interview Will and Kate in the royal family. You know what I'm saying? So you could see the the royal family sort of 
having their tentacles in American media a little bit, not as much as they do British media, but I was thinking about those types of things at the time, at the time. Um, and so that that was a lot of what my worry for Harry and Meghan were, was rooted in. But I still wanted them to leave. Don't 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 get me wrong. I still wanted them to leave. And as soon as possible, just because. Being free to live your life, even if all you do is buy a house and live there and never get seen again, that's better than what they were being put through. But it turns out the royal family, they're not as powerful as they thought. They're not as relevant or influential as they thought. And I would love to believe that at some point, both Harry and Meghan realized that the royal family would be dead in the water should they decide to bounce. And that's what happened. <laughs> like, I I absolutely love that. Now, granted, Harry knows his family better than anybody, or at least between the two of them, he knows them better than Meghan does. But I got to believe at some point they realized they actually had more power than the royal family in a lot of ways. And then that led into 2020. Now, would they have left on their own this early without the encouragement of the Sussex squad? I mean, that remains to be seen. And not that I'm in a position to take credit or any of us are as a, as a fan base, but we were loud. We are loud <laughs> in a good way, in like the best possible way. And I really feel that Harry and Meghan are so thankful to have had the fans that they've had. Because in a lot of ways, their supporters got them to 2020, right? And I'm just kind of doing a, a quick review of 2020. But we kind of got them to the point where they said, all right, well, it's time to go. This is our moment. This is our exit. Not that we're taking credit for the work that they did, because that's their work. Like, they did that. But we provided them in a lot of ways with the much needed encouragement for those dark moments because everybody's calling themselves Sussex Squad. That's fine. But for a while, it was a very unique set of fans. And, and that's most of us. But at the same time, we were trying to bring people who had blue checks, who had platforms of their own before ours uh, even began to grow to say, look at what's happening to this American woman. When are y'all going to speak up? Look at what's happening to these couple, to this couple. And much of what's happening to them is rooted in racism. When are y'all going to actually join the chorus and speak up about it? Now everybody's doing it because now that's the cool thing to do, I guess. Um but for a while, it was just us. But at the same time we were doing that, we were also encouraging Harry and Meghan in our own ways just to find opportunities to escape from that toxicity. And if it meant that they were leaving the whole entire operation once we saw what the realty was, then that's just what it was. And I think somewhere along the way, not necessarily that they were listening to like just their supporters, but of course they're looking at the influence they have. Everything Megan sells, sells out. <laughs> every tweet or every platform that tweets about them, um, that posts a video about them. I told you in a recent podcast, you know, like for the Time 100 videos, everything involved uh, that Harry and Megan are involved with 
when you compare it to all the other tweets for even other celebrities that were involved with that same platform, there's just no comparison. People have built businesses on the back of Megan based on what she wears. Megan has helped companies grow just by wearing their clothes. Even the interest in Harry. When somebody talks about him, tweets about him, their engagement goes up. And then together as a couple, despite the negativity that people were spewing about them, their power, their influence, it just grew. It grew. And they saw that. And then you add to the fact that their supporters really just want them to get the heck out. And they realize that they have a lot of power. And in the darkest of times leading up to 2020, Harry even made mention of the fact that they need that support. And so I will always believe that the Sussex squad, particularly, I think we played such a critical role in maintaining the Sussexes through like the darkest times that they endured. And I'll always believe that we served a function that will remain unquantifiable. And a critical function, though, because if you think about it, we influence conversations. And so in 2020, I definitely felt like we reaped some of the rewards for all of our hard work, just seeing how Harry and Meghan are out here winning the way that we always knew they would eventually. But it's so good to see them doing it now. And really from the beginning, but especially throughout the year, the this previous year of 2020, I love that Harry and Meghan always took the opportunity to show their supporters that they see their supporters. And they didn't care what people had to say about it because People that were going to criticize them were going to criticize them regardless of whether they were reaching out to uh, people in the Sussex squad or not, you know, whether they were acknowledging what we did in terms of fundraisers or not. The fact that they did and don't forget, they collaborated with us to bring education to over 112 girls in Southern Africa. So, I mean... I don't really know how it gets any better than that. But, you know, let's look at some of the things that the Sussexes actually did in 2020. Well, to start the year, they left and they were told of all the things they could and couldn't do as former senior working royals. And they were basically left to fend for themselves, which was fine because that's the position they put themselves in. But right along with that, when they won, their wins would be their own. And their successes could not and should not be attributed to anyone but themselves and their teams. So they left and they won and they keep winning. And they literally went from being silenced to finding their voices. Literally. I know that's a phrase that's used a lot, but they were silenced. And now they're not. But really, if you think about it, in hindsight, we can see the degree to which they were actually silenced, especially compared to the freedom that they now have. For example, Harry's statements, he's released a couple of statements, and together they released that joint statement uh, when they announced that they were leaving the royal family. But Harry, by the time he got to that point, he was already backed into a corner. 
then it's revealed that Megan, her friends were silenced, the anonymous friends. Uh, Megan was being left to suffer until she chose to speak honestly in Africa. And then immediately afterward, the royal family tried to act as if they had no clue because Megan spoke her truth. Y'all remember that? Well, fast forward to now, they can do what they want. They can say what they want. They can collab with who they want. They can invest in whatever companies they want. They can dress how they want. They can do whatever they want to do. And the girls are hot about it. All the girls, the royal girls, the press girls, the troll girls, every last one of them are mad about it. But that's what they wanted. But 2020 had some surprises. Well, I think 2021 is going to give us even more for them to be mad about. But you know what? Let's look at all the ways they were able to use their voices in 2020. And this is in no particular order. Just after the exit from the royal family, right after that farewell tour, Megan lent her voice to Disney Plus's elephant documentary they hated on that but somehow it ended up on somebody's year-end list as the best movie of 2020 not the best but one of the best in the list congrats Megan you did that how about the fact that Megan was speaking to high school students from her high school about their impact in the world and how much power they have to do good in the world and to have compassion in the world what about Harry and Meghan encouraging people to vote. We saw how much that put people in a tizzy, but they didn't care. <laughs> and I love that for them. Um, they didn't care. People are still talking about it. Oh, well, you know, the biggest problem that people had is that they were encouraging people to vote. And royals are supposed to stay out of politics. Well, guess what? They're not seeing working royals anymore. Other things that they did, they shared their views on the Black Lives Matter issues, the protests, and being very clear about where they stand. For example, Harry spoke to Patrick Hutchinson about his intervention at a Black Lives Matter protest in London. Megan connected with a young girl in Wisconsin who was a victim of a hate crime. How about Megan and Harry both speaking with the young people of the Queen's Commonwealth Trust about the impacts they were making in the world and addressing the impacts of colonialism and the British continent needing to have a real conversation about that. They did not waste any time in 2020. Baller. How about Megan speaking with feminist icon Gloria Steinem? Because she told you coming into the royal family that she is a feminist and she was a feminist the whole time and she's still a feminist. Harry and Meghan then spoke with the teens from the Teenager Therapy podcast. She shared a little bit more there, especially about her being the most trolled person in the previous year of 2019. That's something that she wouldn't have been able to say as a member of the royal family. They wanted her silenced to remember not in 2020. How about Harry speaking with Rashad Robinson of the Color of Change organization about the importance of racial justice inequality? Because we love Woke Harry. <laughs> woke Harry is really like that girl. You know what I'm saying? Didn't shy away from it at all. Again, no longer silenced. And they also used their voices by the moves they made. Harry is 
collaborating with Waterbury. Harry and Meghan's Netflix deal, that sent shockwaves around the world. Harry and Meghan's Spotify deal and Archwell Audio and the podcast that they're doing and producing. Uh, Their collaboration with uh, World Kitchen. Of course, Meghan's opinion piece of when she lost her child. That was probably the the most impactful way that she's been able to use her voice. And then her investment with Clever Blends as well. They're doing exactly what they want to do, exactly how they want to do it. And their critics' worst fears have come true. And now this is the part where we can just sit back and laugh. Because it's like official, we won. And like, that's not even everything. So imagine the things that they are going to accomplish without the cloud of a pandemic. Archwell as an organization, it's just getting started. It's brand new. She brand new. She just walked in. But she's a bad bitch and she knows all eyes are on her. I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. But speaking of Archwell, like the rollout, you couldn't ask for a better rollout. It was very clean, very professional, not a typo to be found. If you know, you know. Um, No typos up in here because these are things that have been planned out, thought out and vetted by a team of qualified professionals. But it was so well thought out. They didn't waste any time. They had given us the teaser just to sign up in the news, you know, with your email address for a newsletter or something to that effect to be updated. That was months ago. And then they told us that they were going to roll it out in 2021. And they rolled it out in 2021. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? See, because I'm used to dealing with professionals. I'm used to people of that caliber having their things tight like do you know how like for example everybody's gonna do it in their own way okay but I'm gonna use Beyonce as an example Beyonce don't bring you nothing until she is basically done it's done whether it's black is king or whether it's that little uh new year's or the the new year's videos that she's been doing here uh in the last couple of years of what her last year was like I mean She's bringing you a product, not an idea that still needs to be fleshed out over months and years. They're not collecting data and still trying to figure out what needs to be done and playing it by ear. No, they are professionals bringing you something that is done. You know, they told us they were going to give us a holiday special. We got that holiday special. And then the next couple of days, we got the Archwell website. I'm sure it's going to be more to the website once, you know, as we go. But they're giving us what Archwell is. There are no questions about what Archwell is and what it intends to do. And like, do you remember right after they left the royal family? This was sometime, I can't remember exactly uh, the month, but maybe after the farewell tour uh, in, no, 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 because this was when, it was before then, I believe, because I think that's when, after they left is when pretty much everybody started to quarantine. That was in March. But do you remember Harry and Meghan 
they there was news that they went to Stanford. There was news that they were speaking to professionals in the digital space and uh, things like that. Well, when you look at their collaborators on Archwell, you see that that this is what they've been planning. This is what they put together. Now, we we I'm pretty sure we've yet to see all of what they're going to present for us in the future. Understand, Harry and Megan, all of this is going to be pretty much, I believe, sort of melded together between the um, podcasts and the the Spotify deal and the content on Netflix. It's all together. Archwell is a unit, you know, and the planning and these collaborations, they have been in the works for some time. I mean, who knows? Maybe even before they announced that they were leaving from the royal family or maybe they got started when they went on that Thanksgiving break. I don't know, but it's something that they've been working on. And it's really good to see their work being presented and and paying off. Now, I love the neutral tones. So they kept that. But I love the ode to their mothers. And the it looks like a poem, but the message that greets you when you go to the main launch page is a statement from Harry and Meghan. And it reads that I am my mother's son. I am our son's mother. Together we bring you Archwell. We believe in the ability of humanity because we have seen the best of humanity. We have experienced compassion and kindness from our mothers and strangers alike. <laughs> like the shade of putting strangers before your <laughs> before your dad died. Like I'm not saying that is shade on Harry and Meghan's part because we don't know that. We know a lot has been made about that but I mean (laughs) y'all know my face is petty and you know what I just love that for them because they deserve to be petty whenever they want to now I don't know if this is pettiness but um shout out to uh mothers and strangers (laughs) and so it continues in the face of fear struggle and pain It can be easy to lose sight of this. Together, we can choose courage, healing, and connection. Together, we can choose to put compassion in action. We invite you to join us as we work to build a better world, one act of compassion at a time. And compassion in action is their, it's kind of like the motto for Archwell. And they've been saying that from the beginning, but even before Archwell existed, they were saying that on Sussex Royal. But let's get back to this mothers and strangers alike business, because a lot was made of the fact that they did not include uh, Charles and Thomas in this. But what about their father? What about their fathers? Well, you know what? I don't see their father showing them a whole lot of compassion. If compassion is the main message here, um, just in general, mothers are the, I mean, fathers are compassionate too. We're just talking about generic mother-father roles. But your mother uses her body to bring you here. And then she uses her body to sustain you after you have arrived. So just in like at the heart of it, a mother's compassion for her child knows no bounds. 
clearly when we're looking at Harry and Meghan's parents, their fathers leave a lot to be desired. Can we agree on that? Now, Thomas Markle is like his his whole role in the last couple of years. That's an easy one, right? We can see the lack of compassion from this man from even before Meghan became the Duchess of Sussex. Okay, so we can go ahead and throw him in the trash right away. We ain't got to dissect that. But Charles is a little trickier. And here's why. Because the people that look at Archwell and Harry and Meghan's work in 2020 and all the success that cannot be denied, uh, when we look at that, People love to say, well, Charles is the one who paid for their security when they first left the royal family. Maybe he did. Like, ain't that the least you can do? Isn't it, though? <laughs> and and we don't know that Harry hasn't paid him back for that because we know Harry has paid Frogmore Cottage back and still paying rent for a place that they're not even living in. Uh, and they shouldn't have had to do that, but they did. We don't know what Harry has done to pay him back. And even if he didn't, Charles should be paying for the security of a man who is the son of the next king. Okay. And then secondly, it's kind of well documented that neither Will nor Harry has had a great relationship with Prince Charles. All right. And that's not to say that he didn't, you know, rally around them and protect them after their mother passed. But as they got older and a lot of the attention and adoration shifted from Charles to Will and Harry, Charles kind of got jealous. You know, so that would cause the relationship between a son and a father to erode over time. Uh, what about the fact that Harry, as a grown man, uh, he is fully aware and he didn't need the crown to bring it to his attention. He is fully aware of how his mother was treated by this man. The one person who was showing him compassion and that royal scenario and that whole setup and then she passed and the one person who made her life a living hell but could have chosen differently happens to be his father fast forward to harry now being a father and having a wife who is hunted and commoditized in a way that he hasn't seen since his mother was alive those are his words and Charles is also still in this position to be able to protect this woman that Harry loves most in the freaking world. And he doesn't like Charles literally chose not to. That would erode that relationship further, don't you think? And so when Harry and Meghan finally left, yeah, you damn well better pay this security bill. Even though we can afford it, you better pay it. All the good deeds and all the good publicity and interest that we done brought to you in these couple of years that we've been over here. That is the least you can do because you're the next in line, baby boy. You gonna need it. And so here is that security bill. Go ahead and charge that to the game. And so that's what it is. Compassion from mothers and strangers alike. Because sometimes a stranger, just somebody on the street 
is often kinder to you than your own blood can. And that's a sad fact. And that's not just for Harry and Meghan. That's for everybody. I've been there. I felt it before. Let's just keep it real in 2020. We don't <laughs> we don't have the time or the energy for the fake. So when we said from mothers and strangers alike, well, then that's what they meant. That's exactly what they meant. That's what I feel. So people going to read into it what they want to read into it. And what you probably think you're reading into it is probably accurate. All right. All right. Because they're not silenced anymore. Did y'all get that memo? More about Archwell. Again, they told us what they're about and what so far what they are presenting, which is the Archwell Foundation, Archwell Audio and Archwell Productions. We listened to that wonderful first podcast from Archwell Audio. I don't necessarily know whether Harry and Meghan are going to have a show. I don't know. Maybe they'll do one-off podcasts. But that was a really good first one. I mean, like, it wasn't too long. It was a nice, nice way to tie up the year while just sprinkling in some bits of, of their experiences also, just making reference to all of the things that we know, you know, when they said love always wins, take it from us. I love that um, because that's a little wink, wink, if you know. So I thought that was brilliant. But look at the caliber of people that they were able to pull together and how beautiful everything tied in with what everybody else was saying about their experiences, about their hope for the new year, about some of the lessons of 2020. And then Harry and Meghan also showing us how well connected they are without saying, look at how well connected we are. They just show it. But of course, my favorite part was the end. And not just Archie. That was my my absolute favorite part, right? But I love that Meghan and Harry spoke about this little light of mine. We all remember that. We remember it from the wedding. We saw the Sussex Royal anniversary post that they made. But then the message of that song, it's so critical and so important. But then also just quietly reminding the hater girls that even though you thought you won, we just want the record to show. That this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Whoa, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Because you ain't dimming no lights over here, hater. And all the evil you thought you was playing and only worked out for my benefit. My baby happy, my marriage is good, my mama is close. My neighbors are nice. My neighbor is Oprah, <laughs> okay? A, but B, my neighbors are nice on top of that. The friendships I had have strengthened and my connections have grown. My bank account is overflowing. My influence is immense and my status is icon. Girl, my cup runneth over. Now tell me, what is it again that you thought you were doing? And we can just look at all the ways they tried to stop her shine from the palace leaks to the press attacks to the way they tried to stereotype her before she even got the chance to become a duchess. 
Then when she became a member of the royal family, demanding that she be a certain way, because really there's only one way to be a quote unquote proper duchess, and that is to be silent. And so they went as far as to silence her. Then after they left, they went so far as to police the word royal and how they could be non-working royals, even though no one, not even the queen, can control that word. And then stealing all of their ideas as if no one is watching. See, but now the Sussexes have so much power that their biggest trolls and critics can't do anything but watch. And boy, do we see that they cannot look away. And see, the difference between the criticisms now and when they were silenced and unprotected by the institution is that they have zero impact now that Harry and Meghan are actually winning in the way that they said they would. Because when they were in a position where something was being held over their heads, which in this case was the idea of being included in this so-called exclusive group of people, when you held that over their heads, then the press felt as if they had the opportunity to influence people who were undecided about Harry and Meghan. But now the world has decided that Harry and Meghan are the clear winners here. Not only have they proven to be bankable, they have proven that they can make hundreds of millions of dollars mere months after they left the royal family. And while the other girls are so hell-bent on making this a competition, understand that Harry and Meghan are the winning team because they saw their worth, they did the research, they took all the qualities that made people interested in a modern royal family with them when they left, and now they are the royal family. It's Queen Doria, Prince Harry, Duchess Meghan, and King Archie. And since they left, the world's opinion of them has not changed. In fact, their respect for them has only increased. And the world's gaze and interest in the royals, it moved from England to America's West Coast. And thanks to the crown, more people are seeing the royal family for exactly what they are. And just so y'all know, the royal family was so upset about the crown this go round because everybody got to see what happened to Harry and Meghan because that's fresh. All right. So people are beginning to see them for exactly who they are. More people than ever. They're seeing them as welfare recipients whose sole purpose is to motivate people to continue to fund their lifestyle. And while they're fighting to keep the relevance they have, Harry and Meghan wake up with more and more relevance every day. Day. And the beauty is that the critical voices are helping Harry and Meghan to become more relevant every day just by how loud they complain. Look at how they complained about a toddler speaking on a podcast saying four words, <laughs> fun, happy, new, and year. That's it. Oh, but they complain and more people learned about the podcast. So complaining about the deals, the Christmas card, the titles, the house, the connections. They went to the dentist. They complained about that. I mean, they complain about Megan wearing a coat in California, even though they say it's not that hot and the coat sells out. I mean, thanks for your help, girl, because <laughs> not that not that it's needed, but all you're doing is exposing the people you say you hate and you're not spending any time on your faves. Like they're the people you said were doing it right. You're not giving them any of your time. Give them that energy. 
They could use it. Like, they need it. Because their institution is about to die. Like, they need your help, girl. And according to every major year-end list, Harry and Meghan are the only royals anyone is talking about. So, yes, critics, even you have helped Harry and Meghan be more relevant than your fake faves. And you, along with the Sussex squad and all the new fans that they come across and people who come across their work in the next couple of years, you're doing your part to prove their power. And as supporters of Harry and Meghan, we have to thank you for helping us make sure that Harry and Meghan and Archie are billionaires before Billy gets to be king. So thanks. Now let's talk about how mean the queen is. Now, reports have surfaced that it was actually the queen who denied Harry's request to lay a wreath at the Remembrance Day ceremony just a couple of months ago. Now, earlier reports of this whole story basically suggested that courtiers, palace officials, were the ones who denied Harry's request, left the wreath where it was, and the queen absolutely had no idea that the request was made by Harry. Now, granted, this story does come from the Daily Mail, and so that is the best reason, if any, to take things with a grain of salt. Not saying it's not true, but at the end of the day, it is the Daily Mail. But at this particular stage, things have gotten so muddied, you don't know what's true. They could be telling the absolute truth. But because it's the Daily Mail, it's like, do I believe it because it's plausible? Which it is. It is very much plausible. Or do I toss it in the trash with all the other things that Daily Mail has written? But because it is very plausible, there are two things that I'm thinking about, which is why I'm going with it. Palace sources are not very easily going to throw the queen under the bus. The queen. They'll throw a lot of people under the bus. Harry and Meghan, they certainly will throw under the bus given the opportunity. The queen, that's another issue. But apparently somebody is deciding to. So that that to me makes me think this is real. Secondly, again, Harry and Meghan are not even there. And so when your two primary targets are no longer there and the game is still on, then somebody has to be tabloid fodder. And so the story is the queen made the decision herself to deny Harry's request saying his request is, quote, an example of his lack of understanding at what it means for him to be a non-working royal, end quote. And see, this is why that family is trash. This is why they are trash. Like, how do you regard the only blood royal, whether he decided to step back to protect his family or not, he served on the front lines, in a war, right? He has actually lost comrades and not just on the battlefield, but after the battlefield to depression, to suicide. And he has something in common with all of those who have served, especially in wars, that the others in the royal family just don't. How do you deny his request? Because that's what I want to know. Even if you are the queen like, you don't have any forethought. And like the way they made such a big deal of the fact that Harry and Meghan decided to honor the dead in their own way from California as if he doesn't have the right when really the rest of them are the ones who 
you could argue don't have the right because all they're doing is playing dress up. I will say with the exception of the queen, because she is the queen. She's the she is the the leader of the armed forces. I get it. Fine. That's cool. But fixing tanks isn't the same as dodging bullets. And, you know, people can continue to argue that, well, Harry, he left the royal family. And so what did he expect? But you are trying to punish a person for doing the most human thing, which is protecting his family. But because he's not offering his his child and his wife up to the wolves, you're deciding that he has no right to honor the dead. How sadistic do you have to be? Like, how unfeeling of a person are you? Because honestly, this is the equivalent of taking my football and going home. Oh, you don't want to be a working royal? You don't want to be a slave to our ways? You don't want to be a slave to the taxpayer? You don't want to be a slave to the British press? You don't want to be our workhorse? Well, then you can't honor the war dead with us. Yeah, I don't care that you're a war veteran of the British army. Yeah, I don't care that you're my grandson. You can't do it. You chose the black woman, remember? And to this day, they are still holding Harry's military titles over his head as if it's some kind of bargaining chip to get him to come back to that viper's den. But here's a quote about the whole revelation that I found interesting. Quote, Remembered Sunday is sacrosanct when it comes to Her Majesty's diary. It's one of the most important dates in her calendar, and nothing is done without her knowledge. People were suggesting the palace's reaction to what Harry asked was petty, but it was the queen's decision. And what's more, she actually had very strong views on the subject. And while she has enormous respect for Harry's achievements, both in and out of the military, this was seen as an example of his lack of understanding at what it means for him to be a non-working royal. The queen is very firmly of the opinion that you can't pick and choose what you do when it comes to the institution. Either you are in or you are out, end quote. See, the hypocrisy is so strong with this one and the entire royal family. If it's about being either in or out and not being able to pick and choose what you do with the institution, then how was it that the queen was able to interfere with the Scottish independence referendum of 2014? Because as far as I know, royals are not supposed to be involved in politics. And speaking of royals being involved in politics, as another example, if Harry is a non-working royal, then how is it that him asking people to vote along with Meghan Markle during the uh, 20? 20 election year in America, how was that seen as somehow reflecting badly on the queen if he's a non-working royal? Because a non-working royal should be able to do what they want to do. Just like if you're going to say a non-working royal can't participate in royal events, even if that involves the British army war dead, then you can't say that he can do this, but he can't do that. Even if you are the queen right now, you're just looking like a big old hypocrite. I mean, what y'all do over there, y'all lay honors and awards on predators, actual predators. Jimmy Savile, how about the Duke of Mountbatten? What's his name? Mountbatten Windsor. What's his name? God damn, Lord Mountbatten. He preyed on little boys, him and his wife. And we found that out thanks to the FBI and the CIA. As far as I know, no thanks to British intelligence. And speaking of American intelligence, we still want to talk to Andrew. And he's not been made to pay back any of the taxpayer funds. So y'all are literally funding a pedo. 
Meanwhile, Prince Harry, he's had to pay back Frogmore Cottage just to satisfy y'all over there. And I'm not saying the queen made him pay it back, but she sure as heck took it for her sovereign grant. She took it. She didn't refuse it. And he's still paying rent. So let's talk about the hypocrisy of it all. The fact that you have the nerve to refuse a request of someone who served on the front lines to honor the British war dead because you say he is, quote, picking and choosing. Actually, Betty, you're the one picking and choosing. And what what y'all fail to realize, I think, in the royal family is in the royalists and the monarchists is the American media does not report on these types of things the same way the British media does. We have a pro-Harry slant. You best know that. And not just American media, but literally non-English media, like everybody else who reports on these things. It's in a pro-Harry light, a pro-Megan light, because everybody except for y'all can see just how ridiculous y'all look. I mean, look at all the ways those pictures of Will and Kate went viral just in this past week. Will and Kate are smiling, riding in chairs, on the shoulders, being carried by a bunch of Native peoples on one of their past tours. That group of pictures must have gone viral in at least three different languages. I know I saw Portuguese and Spanish And it was kind of like all about how they're stuck in the past. Well, they continue to be stuck in the past. Y'all are worried about the wrong, too. Because whatever the future of the monarchy is, it's going to be a laughingstock. It's going to be a laughing. Like, there's no way to get around it. So while the queen and all the working royals and the royalists and the monarchists are worried about Harry and Meghan and Harry wanting to uh, honor the dead in his way, the same way that he's done for like his whole working career, your priorities are messed up. But I can see you're really worried about Megan in this trial, though. And to be honest, you should be worried about that. Because Megan, Megan, not Megan and Harry, but Megan really has the royal families by the balls right now. Like she has so much power in her hands just by deciding what to do with this trial. That is her trial. And so for any of you guys that don't know, her trial was delayed until later this year in autumn. She was supposed to go back this month because the trial was supposed to start there and and to uh, testify. Well, her team argued to have it set back for personal reasons later in the year, which the judge honored and Now it's reported that her team is going to argue for a summary judgment, which is essentially just bringing a clean end to the whole trial, but where it comes out in her favor and not in the mill on Sundays and just tie it up. Well, the reports are that the royal family is very afraid for this to go to trial because it would make them, quote, deeply uncomfortable in the institution. Well, I'll say, yep. It should. And honestly, I I will love whatever Megan decides to do, arguing for the summary judgment or not. It's her trial. She can do what she wants to do with it. But she's better than me. But if she wants to be done with it, I totally get that, too. But one thing I do know is this. They're all afraid of what her trial can expose about them. 
And if she were as evil as them, she would let it all play out in the courts. Which palace source was instructed to do what? Who put him up to it? Which royal family member encouraged so-and-so to leak what? Those palace aides would be singing, you hear me? But since Megan has things to do with her life and the time that she's given on this earth, she's likely going to argue and win the summary judgment and spare y'all yet another round of embarrassment. And that is incredibly merciful and gracious on her part because many people still see the royal family as harmless and she knows that. When she also knows she could expose the royal family as the cold-blooded reptiles that she personally knows them to be. And people can say that Harry and Meghan and the royal family have, you know, made up or their relationship is much better now than it was after Harry and Meghan left. That's fine. But I bet she still don't bring her baby over there. Because if you listen to Meghan talk about her experiences, like, because she talks about them now. She's not really going into details, but she's letting you know that she had a hard time. She's she's told us in, in some some ways in no uncertain terms. Nobody's asked me if I was okay. I was the most trolled person in the world. I was silenced. I was not protected by the institution. These are her words. She told us that. But she also tells us that she has her voice and she's so incredibly grateful to be able to use her voice in a way that is impactful and powerful and and not being drowned out by powerful forces that seek to silence her. What Megan and Harry and Archie lived through was traumatic. It was traumatic. And those scars, they're not going to go away with exchanging Christmas gifts across the continent and an ocean and a couple of Zoom calls. Those scars are going to be there forever. So don't let no headline fool you. And speaking of Zoom calls, I still believe they're going to phone in that one year review. Whatever it happens, whenever it happens. I don't know when it's going to happen, if it is going to happen, but supposedly Harry didn't want it in the first place because as we can see, they don't need it. But girl, Lizzie, go and get your way, girl. We, You can do what you want to do. It's fine. Whatever the case, it's probably wasn't even her idea. It was probably Will's. It was probably Charles's. Who knows? But what I do know is this. Somebody is going to be embarrassed on the other side of the one-year review. And it's not Megan and Harry. It's the same group of people that have been embarrassed this whole past year. From start to finish. Harry and Meghan announced they were leaving in January. Then in March, when they left, they had all the positive headlines. They had that one image that went viral and everybody was like, oh, my God, I'm so happy for Harry and Meghan. They are actually escaping that old institution. Wow. Good for them. Then Will joked about getting the coronavirus and spreading the coronavirus. And then Charles got the coronavirus. And apparently Will did too. He just lied about it and didn't tell anybody until months and months later. That's if he got it. What an embarrassment. Harry and Meghan got even richer with their Netflix deal while Netflix and Princess Diana proceeded to kick the royal family's ass just a little bit more. I mean, like, sis really came back from the dead. I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. Just to remind Charles that he ain't shit and he ain't gonna never be shit. 
And it turns out the younger generation agrees because Clarence House had to turn off their comments. What an embarrassment. But of course, you can't end the year without one final flop from Will and Kate and their COVID train wreck tour. They got a little taste of what it's like to be the punching bag, and I'm afraid there's probably more of that to come in 2021. And to top it all off, Archie, the next Duke of Sussex, should he choose to be, has an American accent. Keep losing, girls. It's what you do best. And you know what? That is pretty much all I have for today. As always, thank you for listening and for your support. For the most part, I'm a one-woman show, so a lot of time and effort goes into these episodes. So I really appreciate it. If you would like to show your support in other ways, please drop me a rating on iTunes. Or if you would like to support the Patreon, you can join me at patreon.com slash or become a member of the channel. And of course, if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing. And of course, don't forget if you're already a patron or a member, Please don't forget to DM me your address on Patreon or you can find me on Instagram. Uh, If you're a member, DM me your address so I can get you your mug. Those will be going out this month and next month. I'll try to get them all done by the end of, I would say, March because I actually don't even have the mug yet. But they're they're en route, (laughs) but they are coming. Okay, so make sure you DM me your address. Thank you for those of you who have done that already. And here's to a brilliant 2021 for Sussex Squad and for anyone who hears the sound of my voice. Keep shining your light. And until next time, peace.